Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. Ladies and gentlemen, KSCO presents the Dr. Future Show. If you would like to join in our show today, you can call us at 831-479-1080. That's 831-479-1080. And now, your host, Dr. Future. We and it turns be red. Now. Hey, it's right. recording now. Recording now. Everything recording from now. now on will exist in the future. Before All that, right. anything you heard, forget about it. It's not going to be ever heard or anything. <laughs> so what we were doing, we were talking about generally weather balloons. And weather balloons yeah. uh, launched um, twice a day, every day of the year. So it only makes sense that of the 900 or 1,800 balloons launched every day, that there'd be lots of them floating over our country or Canada. Right? Sure. And that probably has been going on for some time. Right. So I, my guess is what's happening right now is that uh, our, uh, our Air Force and Space Force, after hearing about the whole Chinese balloon thing, would you notice that was the first one, mm -hmm. all are suddenly paying more attention to things in our atmosphere. Mm, I see. And they're starting to pick up a lot of the bigger balloons. Of I course, see. right? Because that's what's going on. And who's yeah. launching them? Well, I would say that quite a few would be coming from universities as well <laughs> as uh, the Weather Service. And if there's, you know... So nobody eight, knows, huh? Nobody so knows the source of what we're seeing? I would say there's probably, um, there's probably thousands of balloons and launched by all kinds of people. And there's probably not a lot of deep regulation around it. I see. You know, as, unlike as drones, as, huh? Unlike People don't drones. have to register their balloons. Those I, I, are still in I, the temporary autonomous zones. I'm thinking that they will be getting a lot more <laughs> attention now. Yeah, well, <laughs> because that's uh, what this exercise is all about. Uh, because I think one of the things that, that uh, uh, they have figured out is how to combine a balloon with motors. Mm -hmm. Of course, we did that with dirigibles back in the 30s. Sure. Right? That kind of works really nice together. Well, and maybe a, it used to be yeah. that the balloons were really safe, and now all of a sudden balloons are being used for more threatening purposes. Maybe um, that, that seems to be why they were so anxious to shoot it out of the sky. Well, yeah, spy surveillance, um, for sure. That's national security. That gets top priority. Mm -hmm. And so they get shot down. But... What if uh, they were collecting information just for a university project? Or what was it, if it was an well, academic balloon? What, uh, didn't the data about that first one say that it was larger than two airplanes when, uh, when measured? Three buses, I think. Three buses? Yeah. yeah. That was a huge one with solar panels. And solar panels. So, whole floating you know, platform. Yeah. It, it was not just up there with a little temperature gauge. It was definitely capable of powering up something. Or as the military says, signals intelligence. Yeah. So I guess they're looking now more closely at what these balloons are up to than they were before. I guess we're finding out. I guess we There are. was one over Lake Huron, I think it was. It had these long, um, like, uh, straggly strings hanging from it, probably mm -hmm. antennae of some sort. Mm-hmm. Probably a university project would be my guess. Mm -hmm. Whether it's Canadian or American uh, remains to be seen. But I think part of the problem is going to be that um, they'll turn out to be relatively innocuous, like somebody studying uh, the, um, you know, the, the pressure changes in the stratosphere. And 
uh, based on solar activity or some academic product project along those lines. And it'll be embarrassing for the Pentagon to, to have to spend two Sidewinder missiles at $400,000 each to shoot down a university college project on the Seems weather. Seems like they've been embarrassed <laughs> you know? already. And that'd be probably way bigger <laughs> than the budget of the project that they were studying <laughs> just for those two missiles. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but right. could could they yeah. be UFOs though? I mean, could they be off planet? Uh, well, they did ask that. They did, and, and the government <laughs> was quick to say no. <laughs> yes, the uh, the press conference that we listened to on No Agenda was the the military at answered the question, could this be extraterrestrial, by saying we don't have any facts that would support that, and we're very interested in only supporting the facts. And we're not, we don't even know if we should call it a balloon. We're going to just call it an object. Yeah, well, it makes it more mysterious, <laughs> and it's more credible that they spent as much money as they did uh, trying to figure it out. <laughs> we don't want to call it balloon because it makes us seem like we're trigger happy and we've got too much ammo. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, or the other, other, or the other uh, extreme, which is uh, you're t too indecisive. Mm -hmm. to know what to do about it mm. you know that's the, you know, the those are the extremes was biden in, in, indecisive indecisive he just picked the wrong or do, way to pop the balloon because that set him up for ridicule when, and what about more advanced forms of thinking other than just shooting them out of the sky that's such a monkey behavior what about collecting it what about capturing capturing it and bringing it down safely and then utilizing um, what you find from there and return it to the owner if, if uh, it doesn't belong to, if we figure out who it belongs to. Well, 2020 Can't we capture balloons and bring them down? Do we have to use Sidewinder missiles to take down uh, a weather balloon? Hmm. What else are we going to use them for? Um, well, I, well, they thought it was a weather balloon that was Roswell originally, right? They, they showed... Uh, well, I think the Roswell story is really just meant to evoke people's suspicion that it could be an extraterrestrial you know yeah. it's one of these uh hypnotic terms to get you to believe something that's otherwise unsupportable <laughs> hypnot hip roswell is hypnotic term huh yeah i think so i think the weather balloon from roswell can be used to hypnotize the modern era to think that it's something other than a weather balloon it's funny today it's not just a weather balloon it is a weather balloon <laughs> <laughs> but weather balloons can be many things today. They can be smart weather balloons. They do all kinds of crazy things. Yeah. Well, yeah. Not we can just attach a, balloon a lot anymore. of sensors to a balloon. Yeah. I mean, if, if I was experimenting with like um, uh, new types of propulsion systems, mm -hmm. like maybe uh, contained uh, drone propellers inside a small container, right? We don't even have to go anti gravity here. We can just go drone and develop uh, high flying drones that don't look like drones. Uh, Launch them. That look like spaceships, maybe? That only work in where the atmosphere is thinner. Oh. They don't really work on the ground, so you have to haul them up there to, uh, with a balloon in order to launch them. Mm -hmm. um, could be stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> now there's you're thinking. There's probably a lot of um, black budget projects exploring uh, surveillance from the stratosphere. No doubt. You know, so... So I wouldn't. I'd say what's going to happen though is that as we explore this this space, they're going to be find they'll find that there's a mixture of uh, open source uh, balloons versus the uh, top secret balloons, all traversing the area and not really necessarily aware of each other. 
I see. Traveling <laughs> would, in two different worlds. Yeah. And so now we're going to have to come up with some kind of uh, shared navigational system where we know of each other so we don't hit each other. Yeah. In this, uh, Balloon pinging. Yeah. So I, I, I think that's <laughs> what's going to happen with the, with this scenario we're now, now that we're aware of the upper atmosphere more. Very interesting. So we're yeah. going to start using object communication systems so that anything that's in the same atmospheric layer can broadcast its location and can recognize what's around it. Think balloon traffic control. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that that's going to come out of this. Mm, cool. But, uh, you know, the pure science, um, better sensors all the time are going to help us understand um, how the atmosphere works. Okay. You know, and I'll take your word for it. Yeah. A lot of people are fascinated with that. All right. But currently, the government is finding that when their um, instrument pack comes back to the Earth by parachute, uh, it has this, uh, the, the device called the radio sound on it. It will fall to the ground at about 22 miles an hour. Hmm. And it has a mailing bag and instructions if you find one. So if any of you find... <laughs> this is real. Yeah, and, and and interestingly enough, they find that out of the seventy five thousand or so that sent up each year, about twenty percent of them are returned. Wow, that's amazing! Wow. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Very good, Mrs. Future. Twenty percent. Yeah. I think if you hit it again, you can stop the the uh, laughter immediately. No, I had to turn on the listen button. Because oh, we can only hear it. Apparently, the mixer's been set so that you have to press the listen button to hear it. Oh. It used to be that it was the default. Like that on you our system. Yeah. yeah, like on our system. But okay. now we can all hear it. So, <laughs> so in, in terms of uh, UFO technologies, I would say that uh, they would be anything a thousand years more advanced of, uh, uh, than us would be uh, trivial to them. Like Sidewinder missiles would... Uh, I would not travel. You think that might light be like years. a slingshot, like David and Goliath's level? Uh, I would not travel 100 light years to be taken out by a, essentially a Roman candle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Come on. Really? We need a ray gun for you yeah. no, 100 no, light years I, from now? <laughs> I, I, 100, maybe. 1,000 now. <laughs> We'll be so beyond where we're at today, we can't even imagine it. Uh -huh. It's like the Romans trying to figure out modern civilization. Right. No, give me a break. We'll you, all be you, stars. You would think yeah. You would think that, you know, we could take some of these uh, high-intensity lasers that uh used in the military yeah. and just pop the balloon <laughs> instead of spending hundreds of thousands of dollars. Because it's $80,000 an hour to fly these F-22s. I know. And then, yeah, and, and then the sidewinder, like you mentioned, is several hundred thousand. Four hundred thousand, according to CNN. Holy cow! So you know you're spending a, a half a. <laughs> is that a half a billion? <laughs> yeah. Well, wow. four hundred thousand. Know, yeah. Half a million. Yeah, yeah. and and you yeah. know that is that is a good research project budget. That kind of money, uh -huh. right? And 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 yeah. we're just spending it to blow up the balloon. I would, uh, maybe if I were the Pentagon, I would uh, finance a program for ways of capturing them without having to destroy them. Um, and like, mm -hmm. like, like Bruce Damer's Shepard program for capturing asteroids, 
where you surround right. uh, the object of interest uh, with a with a balloon, <laughs> and uh, right. and in space you you would be basically navigated back to Earth orbit from wherever right. it is in the asteroid belt. But uh, in the upper atmosphere, if you wanted to capture a balloon, um, you would uh, often you know the way they capture drones right now. They several methods. One is using a net, like it fires a net out. And, and captures it that way. It doesn't have to just be blowing the balloon up. Uh, it could be encompassing yeah. it in a larger balloon and then take control of the larger balloon. The larger balloon would... Now, see, that would be a nice big government black budget project to big, build a capture balloon, a balloon that captures balloons. <laughs> now you're thinking. <laughs> like Pac-Man? <laughs> yeah, like Pac-Man. Wonga, wonga, wonga. Uh, and we, we should be able to capture balloons, a balloon capturer. Right, <laughs> uh, and part of it makes it more efficient is to pop it, of course. Uh -huh. But I'm thinking that's that's kind of primitive compared to what we could be doing. Mm. Uh, we, you know, because if you pop it, you might lose some of what it was collecting in terms of information. It might have been working with uh, solar panel uh, paint on the surface of the balloon, and that might have been part of the project that would be destroyed by popping the balloon. Mm. Can't have that. No. <laughs> so, so it's more. I think the future with this lies in, in uh, capturing the balloon. Okay. Well, I think you should yeah. write to your congressman and let them know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what the Pentagon is really great is R and D budgets for such matters. Uh -huh. I think that the challenging part is to share that information with the rest of us, and not just have it as a. It's real challenging for us. I don't think budget. they're challenged about it at all. They just prefer not to. <laughs> yeah. Well, part of the issue today is that it probably wouldn't cost that much to have a capture balloon made, and that, that's something that citizen scientists could create if they wanted to. You there think a, it might be cheaper to capture it than shoot it down with one of those expensive missiles? <laughs> <laughs> it would be funny if it were, wouldn't it? That would be a good selling point for the... Right. Cheaper than a sidewinder. Just go up there with a big bag and bring yeah. it down. <laughs> Why not? Why not? You know? All right. Well, are uh, can okay, we any other put thoughts out on the, the uh, phone number? I think we could invite people if they're listening to call in, and we could have them join the conversation. Is it two six five two six five fifty fifty two six five fifty eight three one area code? Yeah, two six five fifty fifty. And we will be looking for calls on that number, and then we this can bring you on the show. Test week next week will be seriously real. <laughs> That's right, this week. We're still imagining. This week, we're playing around, making sure we figure it all out. But we are live, not recorded, at least in this moment. We're no. actually... We are recording. And recorded. We are yes. live and recorded. So I suppose if you're hearing this in the future, it's because we are playing it again. <laughs> okay, now, now for something... Here, I'm going to play a musical interlude. Okay, and then okay. we'll come back with a, something completely different. Something completely Be different. Right Here we go. Music. for more okay <laughs> that was like mr mellow that was mrs mellow thank you yes so well we're just bringing forth the mellow vibes of our dear friend michael gosney who was 
I think he might have still been alive this time last year. So we yeah. said goodbye. Yeah. And he left us with some wonderful DJ sets that he liked to amuse our community with late into the evening. So, so we're this, bringing him forward. <laughs> yeah. And this is a nice mellow story. It's about read at its largest art forum with 22 million members. Okay. Reddit, huh? Okay, did you hear about them? Nope, um, not at all. Yeah, there was um, there was a there was an issue where a artist submitted a drawing, a painting in the medieval tradition that looked like uh, it was kind of like some of the new computer art that's coming out. Oh, right. So it's a human imitating computer art. Yes, I think AI art does look very distinctive. Yeah, and, and that's what Red Edit people are saying, is that they're, that uh, we can't mix the computer art with people art. Well, uh, you can't have rules when, or call it art. It's not art if there are rules that can't be broken. Because <laughs> yeah. art is all about stepping into the yeah. new awareness and trying to create something that evokes a new understanding. Mm-hmm. All right. So, nevertheless, so the humans at Reddit felt that they needed to preserve the status quo and honor the other humans that were creating art. And so they wanted to exclude the machines that were creating yeah, art. Yeah, because it t- he, this, this artist claimed it took him 500 hours to make this incredible painting. Mm. And, it, and it's of this uh, goddess who's a, a muse for uh, war. Did you see right? it? Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. right. Well, here. we should. Yeah, that's and it's, it, huh? Uh huh. And that's a painting. And it's a painting. Yes, and but it looks like computer art. People that's thought a, it was computer it, art. It kind of likes. It looks like a beautiful woman in uh, Grecian uh, flowing clothes, mm-hmm. who's looking up and. Uh, now I wonder how the humans with, even associated it with the AIs. Why did they think it was AI Because it looked because. Uh, it, the, the style, the, her, the way her hair is flowing in the breeze, the way the clouds are behind her, the way the birds are around her head, uh, the opening of, uh, of portals that look uh, vaguely sensual uh, in, the, in, the, in the clouds. Uh, it looks very um, in, inviting. You want to go, go with her as she's, ex- as she's looking out onto the, uh, the world and uh, being her beautiful self with all this. Go- uh, yes. Um, yes, we bring in the color, uh, but this whole world is is just incredible. It's been created, it's, but they, it, it looks like something the computer could do, and it could do it within a few minutes. That's that's the thing. Well, it took five hundred hours for a human. Now, how do we deal with that? How do we how do we even reconcile that? I can't imagine. Yeah. Anyway, I have more on the story. Let's take our color. Our color hung up. We lost our color. We can call our caller back, apparently. <laughs> okay, try that. I've never done that before. <laughs> All right. We'll call back our caller and see how that works. <laughs> Could be the police station. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> well, What's your number? <laughs> we don't know who our caller was, but they only waited for about 15 seconds before they gave up. It's probably a test up. call to see if it was working. <laughs> All right. Well, whoever wants to call to try to get through, please do, because we'd like to see if it's working properly. 831 265 That's right. 265 Okay, good. 
But anyway, so... So anyway, I was back to my story. How do we humans tell if art is AI-generated well, or human-generated if we don't believe the human? Well, so the Moran, Moran the art artist, sent in the guy to uh, the... the um, the, the guys that uh, read at it, uh, moderating the uh, the art forum, um, he sent in. So I'll give you the PSD file. I'll show you the process that I did in painting it. Uh, I, I'll show you how I didn't use any AI-supported technology at all. And so this punishment against me is just not right. Right? So he presented the evidence accused. of how he actually made it. Right. Because it wasn't uh, it wasn't. I'm not a machine. He likes to use Photoshop, though. I'm a human. Right. <laughs> using Photoshop. <laughs> As opposed to humans using AI. Right. So I think it's very interesting that this is such a big debate with the artists. But the bigger debate is beyond the artist community. It's really the rest of us who aren't artists who now have the ability to create amazing paintings simply from creating a good description of them, mm -hmm. of, a, of a scene, right? So in a sense, it's giving the visual art uh, something that uh, to, the, to the hands of everyone, much like the spoken language. We have a wish-granting jewel, and yeah. it's called our computer, and we can ask it for whatever we want, and it will do its best to give it to us. Especially with it, if it's AI-assisted, mm -hmm. and it's one of the visual programs. So I think what it's doing is it's creating the visual language as common as the spoken language, uh, as a form of, uh, of uh, interactive communication. This Neither has been all one of, of your fascinations for a very long time. Well, and suddenly everyone is using um, visuals as well as sound. For communicating, it becomes much more multidimensional. Mm -hmm. But you are addressing the ideas that you usually express as the cinematic language. The idea that AIs are going to communicate via uh, s different kinds of data bytes. Basically, they're going to they're going to construct sentences by pulling together different types of information and then putting it out in a new language that evokes understanding in a in a recognition of the symbols right this this well, yeah, well, language is not really words per se no it's it isn't words at all words images and references yeah there, that's true there is subtext mm -hmm. um yeah, it's more of a more of a multisensory languaging system that the species is evolving, mm -hmm. and we have the technology to speed up that process. Mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of people that have been visual thinkers for a long time. I suspect Einstein was um, that he was able to imagine his thought experiments really readily because he has a good visual mind and can see uh, relative positions in relation to the speed of light. Um, something, no doubt, we could train ourselves to do. Uh, if you have a good visual memory, uh, and that the real education of the future would be to enhance those capacities uh, of, of visualization. Um, some, you know, are more inclined to that than, than audio, for example. So are you now talking about human augmentation? Well, we're using the technology as part of the augmentation. Uh, it doesn't, uh, yes, yeah. Um, but so I think the, 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 the way to think about it, uh, the AIs, is not that they are something to compete against, uh, but more something to augment. I would, I would say that... Uh, yeah, it's better if we relate to them as pets than overlords. Yeah. Right? Because if the universe is one, which we you know, believe it is, then they're obviously part of us then, because there's only one one. 
so get used to it. There's no other. Uh-huh. Well, yes and no, because where there is separation, there may be rivalry going on. And separation from rivals, God, it's all relative. If you're separate, then you're not one. In order to find the unity, you have to go to the containment layer. You, you have do to go it, to the you? layer above the one where oh, the separation the is The onion being. skin model of the universe. That's right. That's right. If you're feeling yeah. separation, look up. Look out. Go beyond. <laughs> yes, to other layers of order and disorder. <laughs> Straight ahead. <laughs> Straight ahead. <laughs> All right, well... Yeah, anything we, um, to say on this, uh, Bobby, before we move to the next uh, story? Well, I, I think you have to look at AI as, right now, it's, uh-huh. it's a very advanced um, brush. that, And you have a canvas, and you just speak words to the canvas, and yeah. then the automatic brush draws something based on what you said. And in, and, and in the future, you know, it'll be... You won't even have to say things. You know, you just have to think things. <laughs> and then, yeah. So yeah. right now, it's it's a very crude interface, yeah. Uh, yeah. So you see that, too. That it's, it's, yeah. But would you say, would you go so far as to say we're evolving a uh, languaging system? Yeah, just, just like film is a new language, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you know, we... we, we a universal assume, languaging system, perhaps? Something that, you know, the whole species could speak? Like the cinematic as far language, as art, yeah, but you know, ar- already, um, you know, ChatGPT can translate whatever you say into any language on the planet almost right now. So and do it very well. So subtitles so, are us. Uh, yeah, no problem. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. I, I think it's it's a way of trans transmitting and uh, transmitting our thoughts to other people. That's very interesting. Sort of uh, the next octave of expanding our ability to communicate globally. Not only are we giving megaphones to more people, so we've got the many-to-many communication links going on, but we're actually giving all of those people the ability to translate their message into many more languages, so there's actually more potential understanding. And it's exponential. So one message doesn't just reach someone in the original language. It reaches them in their language of choice. And the way that the Internet will facilitate, I think it will actually demand that people sit in the driver's seat of what they're paying attention to and choose things that are relevant to them. And that is the way that the global intelligence will evolve. There's nothing that is oppressive about it because our global intelligence system needs us all to step up and do our part because there's so much more information that needs to be navigated and needs to be understood and needs to be brought into a form that's useful. Yes, yes. I was thinking that... um, Mary and the Librarian. <laughs> One of my nicknames what you, during my life. Yeah. Yeah, so I just, yeah, organizing information uh-huh. is a natural for you. Yes. It's just really great. I, I, I personally like to create chaos out of order, but, but uh, that's yeah. just me. Yeah. Uh, I, I know do that about you. 
I do feel that both are important, you know, creating order. and you know, It's like... Well, there's a reason why the Hindus came up with three gods yeah. of creation. You know, you've got Shiva, the great destroyer, who's supposed to clear the field and make it receptive they all have to, a role to play. Brahma, the mm. birth of creativity, the the beginning of new new forms, and then Vishnu, the the balancer, the right, right. The it's a balance of, of forces that with each other that create the balance. universe as we know it. Right. Uh, and the toroid, another one of our favorite topics, of how it all comes down to uh, the universe in the shape of a living the toroid. fundamental shape of matter, the and beginning. And toroidal motion mm-hmm. and its meaning to everything. Mm-hmm. Right. The universe as a big donut. Yes. Or rather as a whole that looks yes. like a donut. Do you think Steve Jobs built the Apple campus like a donut for no reason? I'm sure he had a reason. Yeah? Yeah, I read. I read the biography of Steve Jobs and apparently he's, he told one of his teachers that he was cursed with knowing the future, that he <laughs> saw how it was all going to unfold and he was yes. wondering if he should you know, help or hinder or just allow. Yes. <laughs> so his, um, he got the message that you should build your company's headquarters like a toroid. <laughs> <laughs> I like that song. The world is a circle without a beginning, and nobody knows where it really ends. (laughs) That's from Shangri-La, I think, the movie. And I, I like to think of reality that way, as we don't know where it's going to end. We're just going to keep going and trying to make it better. Eternal, eternal. You're, you're talking about the life and death of stars along those lines Yeah. earlier this week, right? Did oh, you? I had the most wonderful dream oh. about the life and death of stars where I had this insight that maybe everything we know is wrong about mm-hmm. the way that we think stars form and the way we think matter forms and every, maybe... Why would we'll be wrong about it? I mean, what's... Well, the idea that a star like a human is is in is inevitably going to die. That life death cycle is inevitable. The life death cycle is inevitable. Mm-hmm. So I was imagining that the beginning of creation of matter of all things is actually the formation of a spiral. And so and of course Walter Russell is inspiring these thoughts in me because we were reading about Walter Russell's thoughts and the way he characterized the universe and thought of the empty universe as really this ocean of energy and the Yeah, science-oriented artist, Renaissance man from the 1920s, 30s. Yes, and the differentials in the energies of the universe would start creating borders or event horizons where form would happen. And Mm. as differentials of energy encountered each other, spirals would form. And in the spiral, you would create a polarity of plus minus. And that's where electromagnetism comes from, is the, the, the polarity that creates a force of propulsion on mm-hmm. one side and a force of attraction on the other side. <laughs> Walter Russell calls it radiation. He says radiation is the force going out. 
and gravity is the force attracting. And these two powers are always perfectly in balance, and they're just the inevitable description of the ocean of energy forming vortices and creating matter. Mm. So mm. I thought that was pretty fascinating. And how that translates into the star, well, what if a star isn't really busy consuming all the hydrogen in the universe and turning it into helium? What if it's actually an energy vortex that is generating all of the hydrogen in the universe. And then that generation of hydrogen, which can be an infinite process, is actually beginning the cascade of events that forms matter as the first energy hydrogen turns into the second energy helium and turns into the third energy up the periodic table. So that was my great meditative dreamy insight of the week after reading well, walter russell <laughs> wow. yeah very interesting that's great yeah Thanks. and um <laughs> it's funny while you were saying this uh david was texting us he said uh that we disappeared for four or five seconds and we heard whale sounds instead while you were talking but then you came back again really yeah oh my goodness so I wonder what happened. Some kind of reroute for a reconnect somewhere on the network. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you have universal thoughts of oneness. All of a sudden, you need a reconnection. <laughs> yes. And uh, do wheels have anything to do with uh, this model of the universe? Oh, uh, and you think? when we're not talking, the whales are. That's what's real. <laughs> I see. We take turns, do we? <laughs> we do. <laughs> the whales will pick up the slack anytime we get out of the way. That's the way it's set up. Of course, I'm talking about Santa Cruz voice here, not just all reality. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, it's so funny how on one side of our world, um, uh, having a good steak is the most amazing thing. And, and on the other side of the world, the animals that create the steak are the most sacred things. Oh, right. But they're, they're kept alive and you don't hurt them. But here we love them because they're so tasty. But perhaps on the other side of the world where they're so sacred, yeah. they're sacred because you don't have to kill them and you can still get the benefit of their milk, right? Well, there's the steer too, right? There's a, That's true. But yeah. I think that the uh, it's biblical, the, the struggle between the vegetarians who don't want to kill animals and the meat eaters who feel like cooking meat is sacred to the gods you know that's we're, yeah. we're not going to solve that one anytime soon okay um <laughs> but what you were you were saying about earlier about the universe there's an article that i did see that kind of relates to that about leonardo da vinci uh some there's some experiments that he did that were forgotten in which he explored gravity okay okay and he was starting to believe that gravity as was a form of acceleration Mm -hmm. And everyone's trying to figure out what he meant by that. <laughs> you mean before so we came up with E equals MC squared? <laughs> a form of gravity is a form of acceleration. I mean, light. Caltech is working MC on MC squared uh, is acceleration. Uh, yeah. They say he's not wholly accurate in his oh. thinking, you know, well, based on modern thinking. But this was hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Sure. Right? It's a good stab in the dark, yeah. right? Yeah. He actually tried to use a visual model for understanding gravity. Mm -hmm. And uh, in in this this uh, experiment uh, was uh, let's see if I can find a good description here. Um, it had to do with uh, a, an experiment in which a water pitcher 
is moved along a straight path parallel to the ground, and it dumps out either water or like sand uh, along the way. And he notes, his notes made it clear that he was aware that the water or sand would not fall at a constant velocity, but rather would accelerate, and that the material stops, stops accelerating horizontally, as if it no longer is influenced by the pitcher, and that its acceleration is purely downward due to gravity. Hmm. And he was looking at those, those factors. Um, Hard to visualize. Yeah. Well, he did. He well, started uh, visualizing. No. Go ahead, Bob. Isn't it... Um, uh, what I see is a picture where uh, it's kind of a, a grade and it yeah. creates a triangle. Mm -hmm. And as the water goes down, mm -hmm. it accelerates. But as, as the water moves across, it's a constant speed, like, you know, horizontally. Yeah. But vertically, it's accelerating. That, that's what he noticed. Yes, like the sand is falling faster as it, as it approaches the ground. And that's what we know yeah. to be true, right? That, that there's an acceleration um, as, you, as you had to. But there's, there's a top end to it, isn't there? I mean, I think there's a, a certain oh, point. Uh, terminal well, velocity. It, it, terminal it, velocity, it, yeah. Well, you, you, when you jump out of a plane, I think you can only do 120 miles an hour, I think. Uh, it's because of the friction. The air yeah. friction. But that, yeah. But if there but then, wasn't, if it was a no, vacuum, you'd keep did that accelerating. On the moon. Remember, remember, they did that on the moon where they uh, they took a hammer and a feather and they dropped it at the same time and they both hit the ground at the same time, proving because there was no air res air resistance. Yeah, yeah, that the air resistance was what made the difference. So does that mean something would accelerate infinitely if uh, it's in a vacuum? But, I would think oh. so, but 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 think of a black hole. Well, Doesn't it accelerate? Our to the universe speed of light? supposedly is yeah. limited by yeah. the speed of light. Like nothing that we can uh, interact with. So the fastest a black hole can suck something in. The fastest a black hole sucks can suck something is at the speed of light. There is probably a threshold where, if it's above that threshold, it can go away from the black hole, and if it's below that threshold, it falls towards it. Hmm. And would a black hole uh, be a good source for creating a, a fast acceleration into itself? Probably so, right? Probably. You'll, you, it's a good place to test out how um, speed would be infinite, or, or at least to the speed of light, by how fast uh, something gets absorbed into a black hole, or light gets absorbed into a black hole seems to me i'm trying to imagine making my head hurt <laughs> oh i'm sorry <laughs> not really <laughs> I, I think this is what einstein was thinking of uh -huh. um, and, and stephen hawking you know so we're about to yeah. cross a very important threshold we've got another tech level awareness yes. moment coming I'm, ahead yes are you ready here uh, I'm what are we going to go to now? music here we are going to go from the first hour to the second hour of Dr. Future. I mean, I guess we're not using that name anymore. Well, the we future are. Now. Dr. And Mrs. Future, the future now. Al's son. Okay, let's bring up this dude. Remains mysterious. And that is great. But I do want to say, in the far future, this is the picture.
very special time. The universe remains mysterious, and that is great. But I do want to say, in the far future, this is the picture. <laughs> so that is our marker that we've trans- yeah, the picture, huh? We've, we've gone yeah. through the first hour of our second show, and we are now on the second hour of our second show. Where's the news? <laughs> where's the news? The, yeah, we are the news. Oh, okay. Right. But we're this is traffic? still the shakedown cruise here. Uh-huh. We we can get to some of those other um, very important data bites when we have secured our place on the highway. <laughs> right? We're still getting there. <laughs> okay, let's see what's big news here. A piece of the sun's northern pole broke off. Details coming up. Come on. Really? Yeah, the sun uh, broke a piece. Broke a piece off of. Uh, the North Pole. I want to hear about that. Yeah, a space. What okay, a space weather physicist, Dr. Tamitha Skov, S K O V, recently posted a video on her Twitter that showed a huge filament of solar plasma that had broken off the sun's surface. Hmm. Scientists, yeah, plurality, you notice, are now trying to analyze the mechanism behind it, but undoubtedly, the video has stunned the space community. Wow, I want to see this video. I know. This is screaming for television here, isn't it? It is. We're going to have to add a visual component to this show sometime. Okay, the video says, A huge part of the sun broke off its surface and is orbiting its north pole like a vortex of powerful winds. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Like a a vortex above the pole of the sun. And a piece breaking off and going into it. Well, you know, around our South Pole, there the ocean vortexes, right? It's it's uh, all kinds of little spirals going right, around right, the South yeah. Pole. Yeah, the wind patterns on the planet. Yeah, the big wind storms down on the, the, on, the, on the poles. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So this sounds like uh, something going on at the sun that would be familiar. She's wrote, talk about a polar vortex. Material from a northern prominence just broke away from the main filament and is now circulating in a massive polar vortex around the north pole of our star. Implications for understanding the sun's atmospheric dynamics above 55 degrees? Here cannot be overstated. 55, I guess, is the... um, Longitude, latitude. Longitude, 55 degrees above that. Mm-hmm. So they're learning a lot about uh, atmospheric dynamics in the sun at the poles hmm. from this little experiment. My goodness. And, and let's look at this picture. Let's picture describe the picture for those who are listening. So we've got a beautiful image of the sun looking like a burnt orange mm-hmm. with a couple of stripes uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> above and below the equator. Mm-hmm. And where is this... This, oh, uh, something came up, came here and went up there, okay. right there. So there's a solar vortex at the top. So what's breaking off? I don't see anything breaking Oh, you have to off. watch it fast. It, it breaks it happens off. happens fast, huh? Down over here. Right? Okay. Boom, right there. I, 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 right I, the I, I do it four minutes. Around oh. two o'clock. After. Okay. And then, and then you see where it says 90 degrees, 80, 60, 40 mm-hmm. degrees. Mm-hmm. And then about 50 degrees, you see this plume that yes. shoots up. So it's kind of like a Jacob's Ladder. Like what happens is something jumps off of the, uh, it looks like there's a mountain of plasma and then all of a sudden it has an eruption that gets sucked back in. Right. Yeah, let's try, uh, let's try a, a 
here on Twitter directly. Okay, so we don't know why this See, is there's happening. There's a plume. Huh? Yeah, Boom. there it, it gets is. sucked into over there. Yeah. Whee! It does look like the way that electricity arcs a little bit. And so what is that solar plasma? So is that uh, hydrogen? Is it gas? Oh, uh, uh, they could be... They could be... Uh, helium, hydrogen. It could be neutrons or protons. And, uh, you know, eventually... If it hit the Earth, if it was pointing at the Earth, uh, yeah, it would create... I mean, uh, so, it, the, so did you say these um, solar prominences are not even gases at this point, huh? I, I think it's more plasma. Isn't that the... the a different state of matter in plasma? Uh -huh. Yeah. So I, I think it's the internal components of the, uh, of, uh, the elements of hydrogen and helium. Hmm. So it could be... It, it could be they could be alpha particles, which are um, protons and neutrons, or it could just be protons from... Wow, wow. I, yeah, well, fascinating. I had no idea. Well, oh, by the way, um, report from Dave is that you're, you're sounding great, Bobby. Yay! So oh, like you're in the studio okay? with oh, us. That's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah I can't yeah. hear myself, so... It's, you can't? Uh, that's good to know. You, you don't, don't have, have feedback yet? Huh. Well, I, I have headphones on. I could hear myself, but just very slightly. Oh, because uh, yeah. you had to turn your volume down so low for us, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's all right. You can hear the sound of your own voice. You'll just have yeah. to trust us that it's, it sounds okay. good in the studio. <laughs> so we're or, so our solar scientists are really enjoying this one. You know, this, this gives you a lot of, more information about our sun. The sun is yeah. a mystery, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, a little further out, uh, actually, is the uh, the uh, there was a recent report on on how remember the Tesla sports car that went into space five years ago? Oh yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah. With a, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Where with is a it? Space today? dummy in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, space dummy. Uh, half a, they didn't call him that though. I think he had a different name. Mm -hmm. but, uh, it's been uh, five years since. Um, they launched the Sportster. Yeah, we just passed the anniversary, Roadster right? into space. Mm -hmm. um, and it, apparently it's been, it's been uh, as of February 6th, exactly five years. Mm -hmm. And that it has completed about three and a quarter loops around the sun uh, and was positioned about 203 million miles from Earth, mm -hmm. according to the tracking website. Where is Roadster? Dot com. <laughs> Where is Roadster.com? <laughs> That's 2.5 billion miles in space. Wow. That's covering yeah. a lot of ground in five years. Traveling through a lot of barren oh. vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what happens if you don't use the brakes in space. Uh, you cover a lot of ground. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it made its first close approach to Mars um, within 5 million miles of the planet in 2020. Uh-huh. And about 20 times the distance between the Earth and the Moon. Yeah, pretty far. Pretty mm -hmm. far. So they, they right now, they can't really say exactly where it is. Oh, I really? It's it too small to be picked up on any of yeah, our sensors? They've been able to like, mathematically predict where it is. That's interesting, because I, mean, I no guess GPS the only... There's no GPS on the register. Well, I don't know if it reaches out this far. It's pretty far for GPS to work, man. Yeah, it's been at the same <laughs> GPS yeah. for a long time. <laughs> yeah. um, there were direct observations. People were able to see it, but the last direct observation with a telescope was in 2018. 
Hmm. Well, maybe if they move the Hubble or, or uh, the James Webb to look for this roadster, we might be able to see it. Oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure the scientists <laughs> would love that. So, is it is it painted red? Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> it's so, so a red sports car. Red. Just looking for a cop to stop <laughs> it, right? Some some uh, alien cop. <laughs> Investigate Do you it. think it's still red? I mean, I can't imagine the paint job would last very Where's well. Where's it going to go? Space. Is it going to rust? I mean, it might <laughs> bubble. Maybe it might. You know, I, but it's cold. It's at cold. The same time. So what it's about frozen. the tires? Uh-huh. <laughs> well, they'd probably pop. Would be my guess because yeah. one side would be hot, <laughs> the other side would be super cold, and, and I don't think tires like variations in temperatures that much. Well, actually, you don't know. Maybe maybe it's facing away from the sun. Yeah. Oh, I guess so the back tires would get hot, huh? More likely it's tumbling end over end. I can't imagine it having a smooth gyroscopic ride, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably, because any kind of motion in space is going to keep going. Uh-huh, right. So, right. It's, so it's probably tumbling in some... It ran into a few dust yeah. particles and now it's spinning wildly. Well, I don't know about how wildly. Maybe, <laughs> you know. But if so, then we have centripetal force to deal with, and old Oscar in the driver's seat might get tossed. But we'll see. I mean, and it's probably slowly accelerating over time. I don't, I don't think uh, motion would be absolutely the same. I think the, everything is changing. I mean, even the Earth's rotation is slightly changing every day. Because mm-hmm. right? what's there to keep it to any particular standard? Momentum. You know? Interesting. Gravity. So is, it a, is, it a, is it in a fixed orbit or is it expanding out? Like, will it go past Mars eventually, maybe to the uh, asteroid I, belt? <laughs> I think it is an elliptical orbit, Bobby, from what I've seen. Yeah, it, it, it looks yeah. elliptical to me, kind of like Pluto. Yeah. yeah, and it interacts with the gravitational fields of other planets. It's no doubt going to be mutated slightly. And. Um, constantly evolving as it approaches various objects with gravitational fields. I'm so glad you found a website devoted to tracking the roadster. You do. You are, huh? That's <laughs> yeah. good use of uh, our... Uh, That's a good use of the internet. internet you can have <laughs> endless information about the m- most minuscule factoids. <laughs> well, I've, I've seen less interesting trivia. <laughs> this is... I don't things you get your attention sometimes. Right, right. Yeah. Well, you know, I I think Elon gets my attention almost every day. I really liked his comment this morning on Twitter which was that there are no coincidences. Yeah. And the illustration for this fact was hilarious. It was a line drawing of the earth where Stonehenge and Washington DC and Easter Island were all depicted as you know, their locations on the earth. And Stonehenge was depicted as the toes of this giant being that was going through the center of the earth. And the heads of Easter Island were the heads of this giant being on the other side of the earth from Stonehenge. Uh And right Uh in the middle, perpendicular to this being, was Washington, D.C. as a Washington monument sticking out the middle. You know, kind of like... (laughs) Imagine for yourself how there are no coincidences. We're, yeah, yeah. We're, we're so anthropomorphic. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Let's take it all away. Is there a female too? Or is that the earth? 
I'm just reporting the it's news. Self. Don't know. Uh, I suppose we could imagine yeah. a female. <laughs> imagine that. She would be hugging it. Ah, <laughs> uh, I see. Enveloping it. Enveloping, right. Yeah. Yes, the earth would be her baby. Uh-huh. And what kind of motion would we have here? Rocking. <laughs> it wouldn't be quite a smooth rotational deal. Yeah, orbiting, uh-huh. you know, orbiting would be good enough for getting started, but eventually you'd need some variety. <laughs> yeah, planets seem to just like to spin, you know, and have all the variety happen on them. Mm, right, right. Well, it's very sustainable when all you have to do is circle around. Yeah, keep it all going. You're all right. enveloping it all. That's right. Return to source. Circle back. Okay, so that's our Tesla Sportster report. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here I have a little yeah. music to illustrate that. This is called Supernova Dark Matter. Uh, okay. So let's, here you go. Just let me know when you're ready for more. We now know two things. Well, uh, one thing. I'll tell you the second one in a second. This tells us that we are more insignificant than we ever met. If you take the universe, everything we see, if you get rid of it, the universe is essentially the same. We constitute a 1% bit of pollution in a universe that's 30% dark matter and 70% dark energy. Okay, cut it there. Hey, what do you think of that? <laughs> I don't like calling us pollution personally. You know, you you take what you get here. This is yeah. an artist. Yeah, yeah. We were just in a hurry to have something cool for the show. We can sort it out later. I do like some of his ideas, though. Uh-huh. I think it is true that that it's good to remember that most of the universe is not what we perceive. Yes, um, that really keeps. We us- are just that little blue dot on the edge of the rings of Saturn. A blink of an eye as Voyager leaves the known solar system and goes to parts beyond. All right. Well, from those heights, I'd like to take us closer to home for a story here. I'm ready. This is why why we are called nerds, stories like this. Okay, nerd (laughs) buddy. It's a a piece called uh, How T-Mobile Has Set Up a New Device Up Its Sleeve That Will Give You consistently high bandwidth 5g level stuff at home uh 50 bucks a month unlimited and it doesn't roast your brain with 5g waves well that's besides the point no if you're not worried about that if you're not worried about having your brain fried by 5g this is the best thing since sliced bread i see that we have one mrs future i know and we can thank we can thank bobby for that thank you bobby you really you were ahead of the curve as usual Pointing out what a groovy device this new T-Mobile yeah, router is. It's a little uh, foot and a half tall, a little box, uh, square box, black. Just plug it in and suddenly you've got massive bandwidth in most places you visit. That's right. You don't need to know their password. You don't need to get on anything. Just there. And you have There it is, your own yeah. network. I know. I know. And is it password? We have a password on it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we have a password right. on it. You can take it off, I suppose. <laughs> no, no, no. I think you, it's you good. You can to change keep it. the password. Keep it private. <laughs> yeah, you can change it. No, no. Bobby's been taking it to the nth degree. Oh, really? As, as good as it is with the bandwidth, he's finding um, that he can increase its capacity even more. And why don't you tell our audience how you're doing that, Bobby? 
Well, um, you know, this this is their third generation of uh, these home internet routers that they're they're getting, uh-huh. and uh, it it is it is five G. But every of the um, cell companies have their own what they consider what is five gener- fifth generation. Yeah, five G means it's fifth generation. Depending on which company, from Verizon to AT and T to and. And they all rented out T-Mobile different dis- parts of the bandwidth spectrum. Yeah, yeah. So, so what T-Mobile did instead of just uh, accessing or buying from the FCC the higher bandwidths, they decided to go with the lower bandwidths and then six hundred megahertz uh, train, train, I believe. The lowest is six hundred, yeah. and yeah. their highest, I think, is about five or six gigahertz. Six gigahertz. Six but gigahertz. most of it's in the in the in the lower part. But the one that's uh, this device, um, it can multiplex several different lower frequencies together, and you get a, an aggregation of speed. And so, so it can pull several sources which, of uh, signal together to create a, a single higher speed for yourself. Yeah, and so that's what they decided to do. Yeah, and uh, and what you can do is you can take this apart. Um, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure T-Mobile doesn't want you to take it apart, but they yeah. don't say yeah. you can. On you, there are a few <laughs> new you, YouTube movies on this very topic, I believe. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, and, and you can and take it apart you and... Actually, you, you can access, there are four antenna points that are there, and you just buy, for less than $10, you can buy four of these little connectors, and they, they convert it from these very small pin connectors to uh, SMA connectors, which are traditional antenna. Ah, yes. Happiness is a better and, antenna. And yeah. They, they hang out of the box. Uh-huh. And uh, what you can do is... How much how can, much improvement do you get with an external antenna on your, on your uh, internet in a box? It, it can be as much as 10 times. Usually it's about twice the speed. Right? 2x? So if you just set the box... What you do is you set the box and yeah. find uh, what's the best corner in your house. And usually you want to put it up high. So you try to put it up high and go around the house. And then and then when, when you find a, a hot spot or a better spot, then you start rotating it, uh, you know, about 10 degrees at a time. You Maybe eight different Just to try it, to see which uh, where you're getting the best signal. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and to keep speed and testing. Then, right? And then... Mm-hmm. And then from there, what you can do is um, you can buy just the antenna or you can buy the whole kit. But I, I think you can start out with just the antenna mm-hmm. for around $200. And it's a it's a 4x4 four four MIMO antenna. So it's a um, what they do is they, they take four antennas, but they're not lined up uh, in the same direction. Mm-hmm. They're all... At forty-five degrees from each other, to cover the and whole. And so you create, uh, yeah, uh, and it's to reduce cancellation mm-hmm. because if you have four antennas and they're all lined up straight, uh, you get interference patterns, and they will some of the signal will be canceled. But if you put them at right angles to each other, all four of them, then there's no cancellation, and that's how you improve the frequency. And that's what they call four by four MIMO antennas. Hmm. And those are like two hundred dollars on Amazon for the antenna, like that. Yeah, two hundred dollars on it. It's it's by a company called Waveform. Uh huh. 
uh, that produces these. And there's a couple other companies, but I haven't really tested those. But anyway, the waveform one looks, uh, and you can, each one of the leads that come out of the four by four, there's four leads that come out. Mm. Uh, you can, you have to put them, you can experiment, but people have figured out what is the best position to put each one of the fours. And these, sometimes you can get 10 times the downloads wow. download what especially comes yeah. in the box. Yeah, yeah. what comes in the box. Yeah. Well, that's great. That's great. Um, yeah, the bandwidth is beginning more and more ubiquitous. This is another example of that. Um, so if anyone wants to try it, I, I found that the uh, T-Mobile store on on uh, 41st Avenue one um, near near on Claris near uh, Trader Joe's is really good. Those guys get great service. And you get to try this for two weeks for free. Which I thought was interesting, and it's fifty-five a month, or if you put it on auto pay, fifty dollars a month. Um, once you have that, so it depends on how much you're paying now for bandwidth. Uh, this might be a good alternative option, and I, I hope they're right about it being unlimited. You know that that's that's really amazing. But so far, you've been very happy. Yeah, yeah, I'm on it right now. I mean, I I didn't even I don't even know the password here at uh, Santa Cruz Voice. Wi-Fi. <laughs> we I have just no idea. used our own. <laughs> just brought, brought my little router, plug it in, and off I go. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, you're talking on it now. Wow. And it's so fast. Wow. I didn't know that. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. It when is. When you do your yeah. speed test, you're just in uncharted territory. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it depends on where you go. Usually, there's enough bandwidth wherever you are. You don't have to even bother with adjusting it. But if you really want to get the maximum, you do it. Bobby does and put an external antenna. I mean, I, I would do that if it was easy to take off and on because most of the time I don't need an external mm -hmm. antenna. You know, so. Yeah. Okay, here we go. We're going to do it. Okay, right here in the studio. I'm doing a test right, right now. now. 240, 230, 240, 270, so go ahead, oh send us your live and, of course, this is the crucial thing, is the upload speed. Well, if you're, if you're a television station or you're transmitting a lot of video. If we're transmitting, if we're stuck on yeah. transmit, we can go how I fast? 16.96. That's still 16 pretty amazing. That's really amazing. You know, I have some music that goes with this. Yeah, 16 is good. Um, <laughs> I can send a 4K video signal up uh, at that. 296, I could uh, send, get an 8K. <laughs> Ooh. Maybe uh, virtual reality and with 360 spatialized sound. Uh, yeah, something like that. Uh, we've got some more music coming up. Gonna, well, yeah, this, ahead, is, this is called Bumpy Ride Out. Yeah. So just yeah. go ahead while yeah. we're talking In about In conclusion, fast what speeds. would you like to say to everyone about uh, this new invention uh, from T Mobile? Well, um, not only that, you know, the version two of the Starlink satellites, which are going up as we speak now. Yes. They, they have 3.5 gigahertz, which is in between your home router. You know, you have 2.4 gigahertz and 5 gigahertz. Well, they selected 3.5 gigahertz, uh -huh. and this, this device can pick that up if you go outside yeah and uh -huh. you could communicate with starlink so some and, uh, really so my device is also communicating with starlink 
uh, as part of it, its it, bandwidth it network? It will. It will. Uh-huh. Yeah, by the end of the year, yeah. You really? So be my, because that. I do have the Starlink service as well. I could just combine them and just have one. That's well, interesting. I think in the future yeah. they're going to have a combined router that's going to aggregate both Starlink internet with uh, terrestrial cell band internet. And just figure out which one's the, the fastest of, oh. and send it out. Yeah, you, yeah, you'll get the best of both worlds. And it could aggregate them so you can multiply them together or add them together. So cool. so is Elon connecting with uh, uh, T-Mobile directly? I mean, is he is Starlink? And- oh, yeah. They announced that about six months ago, that uh, they're, they're uh, working together on this. Fantastic. As a as opposed to working with AT and T or Verizon. Yeah, yeah, it'll be. I, mean, I think. I think the only the only future faster than this with this type of technology would be to have it built into your phone uh, completely, so you well, don't need a box. It, external it, it's, box, it's, right? It's already it's already built into. Uh, if you have an old uh, Sprint phone, uh-huh. they they were using three point five gigahertz, yeah. and the newer. T-Mobile phones already have 3.5 gigahertz built in, so y- y- you will be just be able to connect to it. But you have to be—you don't need—you can't be under a roof. You got to be out in the open like a Starlink yeah. satellite. Yeah, it's dish. not quite yeah. uh, go through the building yet. But but you could be in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and do this and be connected. As long yeah. as you're on With the top phone. of the boat, not underneath. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, that's the direct. I mean, the direction would seem to be to the phone, and then then we'll figure out some way in which it can be accessed from anywhere. Maybe some kind of antenna, wireless antenna in a building that would connect everyone's phone to it, uh, or um, you know, a repeater on the outside of the building, um, something like that. Well, uh, on these cruise ships, you know, they yeah. have uh, as many as uh, fifteen to twenty of these. Uh, Starlink dishes on the top of the bigger cruise ships. Oh yeah, fifteen and to twenty Starlink ca- dishes already. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they're they're usually in the top floor of a. If you start looking on, on the brand new ships out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cruise ships. Yeah, that they have decent bandwidth. Well, maybe MZ will give us a report. <laughs> <laughs> Since he likes to take cruises. <laughs> That's right. He's supposed to be going on a big does. cruise. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. right. I suspect that he probably will have good connection then. Uh huh. You know, right. Just want to do something cool yeah. with media. Yeah. Well, especially if you tell him about the T Mobile box, maybe he'll just pack one Take in his one suitcase. With him? I don't, you know, I don't know how. Yeah, right. <laughs> especially if it's working with Starlink. A lot easier to carry than a Starlink <laughs> antenna. Yeah, the Starlink <laughs> antenna is pretty awkward to pack. Yeah. Relatively speaking, and we want ease, right? We want ease. What bandwidth do you use? The bandwidth that you have with you. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the T-Mobile one. That it is a nice little box. It can fit in a backpack, uh, but it is not battery oriented. It's, it's you have to plug it in, right? But it just works yeah. where you are. You don't have to set it up. Uh, you have to much. get one of those uh, chargeable USB port type batteries <laughs> that you right. can plug into. Well, yeah. It, it it has a USB C connector, so you know if you buy one of those C uh, portable battery packs, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, the ones yeah, like you use for your charging your uh, your phone with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it will accept that, um, and then you're on the go. 
That's a good point, Bobby. Yeah, we're going towards Tesla power here. Just bring it with you. Got all the power you need in your own backpack. We're connected all the time now. Now what? (laughs) Now what? (laughs) We have anything more interesting to say to each other? (laughs) I think so. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Sounds like you're ready to move on. You ready? All right. Let's uh, let's do our next uh, break here, and we'll be back in a moment with. uh, Dr. and Mrs. Future, a.k.a. Al Lundell, and son, Mary McNamee. And Bobby Wilder. Bobby B. Wilder. In the future now. Here we go. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. It's a good one. Thank you, DJ Gauze. <laughs> All right. All right, back to the real-time movie here. <laughs> ah, yes. All right, I'm well, pretty sure I played all my outtakes once, so we'll start hearing okay. repeats now. Okay, I wanted, to, I wanted to say a little bit about what it was like to be back uh, after the storm, you know, a month and a half later. Mm-hmm. And how... Oh, yes, considering January 5th was a major reset for us. Yeah, and I wanted to mention a couple of things I've noticed. Um, when we walked down the beach... Here we mostly uh, are in the Aptosian, Aptos part of the beach. Right. Uh, there was a row of houses that had been right. Uh, uh, there's the beach, and then there's a big pile of rocks. As you go huge, south towards the seascape, in ton-sized rocks, mm-hmm. a, a ton or sea or cliff more. is it? Sea cliff, seascape, uh, seascape resort, right? Um, and all those rocks have been removed. Yes. I mean, there's a whole area. A whole neighborhood lost their retaining wall, lost all these giant boulders. Dozens of uh, rocks, dozens and dozens of of ton-sized rocks. Right. Gone. Yeah. Where'd they go? Well, they got relocated by the ocean, along with all that sand. Uh, It's just amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I mean, I thought that those were impenetrable. They They were just... They seemed there. like they were secure. Yeah. But, and of course, the people north of us on the island, they found out that those rocks were actually kind of dangerous because they just got picked up and hurled into their back doors. Right? Those rocks were, we haven't yeah. really walked and investigated that up close because it's all closed off now. Yeah. And, and one house was just lifted up off of its uh, foundation and dropped onto the middle of the street. Yeah. Without breaking a dish in the house. So <laughs> yeah, there's some amazing stories that have come out yes. in our own very neighborhood. We're being reacquainted with the power of the ocean. Yeah. We're so spoiled. We humans get so used to thinking we're in charge until one big storm and the, resets our expectations. And the thing is, the strength. I mean, I'm looking at, you know, literally having been tossed by the waves myself uh, in this storm right through the center of my house. Um it's the combination of the water and the forces of water moving quickly with sand. There's a huge amount of sand. Like when the when the when wave hit our house, it was it was mostly water, yes, but it was literally uh, a ton of sand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, literally. Came with it, literally. We haven't broken our neighbors' the windows, their doors. So the punch of water with moving matter simultaneously. That's the con- that's that's really what we were facing here, mm-hmm. and you know the the combination of, of water moving matter, very right. very powerful. Yeah. <clears throat> well, you would know. <laughs> yeah. Knocked over. Well, you were watching, so you had a nice I view. I watched the wall of water take you down. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. 
I ran to the back door so that the water would go in one door and then out the other That's instead the of all the way through the house. That's right. She saw the wave coming in through the front door. She yeah. opened the back door immediately. Yeah. Amazing timing. As quick as I could. Wow. <laughs> and thank goodness I did. It kept most of the mud in the kitchen where it was on a tile floor that we were able to dig it out right away. And only a little bit went into the living room where... We had to dry it out and vacuum it out and wash and dry again, you know, to save the house from uh, being engulfed by the flood. So, you know, it took it took a lot of work to recover from that one rogue wave. But it really got me thinking about seawater. Yeah. And it is really super abundant on this planet. And what I know about hydrogen as a fuel is that there's a, it's very good, you know, that uh, internal combustion engines run just fine on hydrogen and just have water as exhaust. So it seems like it could be uh, also viable as a, you know, as a fuel cell technology. Uh, so uh, I'm all for seawater, but apparently, <laughs> I know, I, I started researching this more. I said, well, how can we use seawater for powering the planet? And it turns out that it's hard to make hydrogen out of seawater. Because? What do you know about this? Because there's chlorine in the water. Oh, In seawater, there's a lot of chlorine. And chlorine is a big, giant molecule that holds on to its hydrogen, huh? Yes. Actually... Yes, the biggest hurdle is the chlorine, which can be produced as a byproduct. Um, from seawater? From seawater, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, okay, so when you crack the bond to get the hydrogen off, it leaves the chlorine yeah, molecule chlorine that's content. kind of dangerous, huh? Well, it's potentially harmful to the environment and the atmosphere. Le releasing a bunch of chlorine into the atmosphere is not a good idea, mm -hmm. it would appear. Oh, okay. It'll choke the animals for sure. Chlorine. Chlorine is very caustic. It's toxic. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it can, it can melt the lungs, actually. I don't know if you, if you had a chemistry class, but yeah. there was one experiment where they uh, it would produce this red um, uh, smoke, I guess, the chlorine, mm, and yeah. you had to just barely smell it to make sure that you never detected that in future experiments. So, yeah. Um, yeah. To control the chlorine, because it's not fun to yeah. breathe. No. Yeah, it, it just melts your lungs. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's an interesting substance because in a completely unrelated topic, and yet chlorine played a role, was um, Albert Hoffman, the inventor of LSD, uh, was at one point hired by the government, the U.S. government, uh, to find out uh, a substance that uh, would um, neutralize uh, LSD in the water supply should mm. the crazy hippies in California carry out their plan to... Dose everyone through the water supply. <laughs> what do they call that? The Kool-Aid test or something? Electro Kool-Aid acid test on a right. massive scale now. Uh -huh. uh, and Albert Hoffman studied the issue and came back with the answer. Chlorine. Chlorine. Right. Chlorine, chlorine neutralizes water. LSD. Oh, and then after that is when yeah. they started massively chlorinating all the water. <laughs> Coincidence? <laughs> Coincidence. <laughs> but that's another story. Well, it turns out chlorine also kills the kind of things that make you sick, right? So, 
It's also used as a medicinal mm-hmm. in small doses because often poisons in small doses are medicinal. Mm-hmm. So like, like any other fundamental molecule in this uh, universe, it has many uses. Homeopathy. Right. Value neutral. Homeopathic doses of chlorine. Until right. you use it. So, uh, so the, apparently there is uh, a team that has developed uh, a system which, in which an electrolyzer sends a current through the water to split it into hydrogen and oxygen, and it uses a newly developed catalyst that has, uh, create, that has been created specifically for seawater. Mm-hmm. And I guess it capture, the catalyst captures the chlorine. And the end result is a highly efficient, stable catalyst that can be manufactured, hopefully cost-effectively. And if this works, and it's an Australian invention, it looks like, and it can meet the federal government uh, green hydrogen goals, it could become competitive against fossil fuel-generated alternatives. Wow. Yeah. So now they're, now they're looking at creating a prototype that will develop large quantities of hydrogen. All right. And that sounds fun. And for industry partners. So if you want to get involved with the hydrogen business, here's your chance. <laughs> hydrogen, the future. You thought it was electricity. So this was a piece in Gizmoto, and it's in our links page, drfutureshow.com slash links, on why it's so hard to make hydrogen out of seawater. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah, I think so. And it's a... Uh, no, it, it, could, could you just add a, a little bit of sodium to the chlorine and get sodium chloride, which is salt? Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's... Salt, I see, to make it uh, um, precipitated out of the uh, compound. And then you could sell the salt as another product. Uh, that's an yeah. interesting idea, Bobby. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not much of a chemistry person to figure that out, but... Uh, that seems like a. F- what would you need to add? What would be the additive? Uh, just, just. Uh, well, you, you just add sodium to the. Chlorine. Sodium. So you get cl- uh, sodium yeah. into the equation. Sodium chloride is salt. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that sounds very. Table salt. Sounds very useful. Yeah. Okay. Well, they, they say the, they they they, that they were to meet the hydrogen needs without. Uh, they'd have to produce 240 million tons a year of chlorine uh, that needed to be gotten rid of. So that's a lot of salt, 240 million tons <laughs> for the uh, uh, for seawater uh, to be used as a fuel. Hmm. Uh, it's about right now. It's about three to four times what the world needs in chlorine. So we'd have to come up with some good new use for chlorine, perhaps that would uh, take up the slack here. Sounds pretty complicated. Yeah, well, there's just a, uh, there's just a, n- no point in replacing hydrogen made by fossil fuels with hydrogen that could be damaging our environment with chlorine, right? It, it is a real problem that needs to be you know, resolved. Um, but people are figuring it out. There's a, there's a group at RMIT uh, that have been working on a method of creating hydrogen from seawater without uh, the need for desalinization and without the creation of chlorine, which is a byproduct of apparently the desalination, uh, desalinization process. Uh, and this new method is to produce hydrogen straight from seawater, straight from seawater. Um, and they're not telling us about exactly how they do it, other than uh, they use, uh, they're still using an electric current that goes to the water and does split it. So 
but I guess it's their catalyst that they use with that process that makes it um, more highly efficient and captures the chlorine. Any event, it's uh, it's promising stuff, and if there is anything to that, that means that seawater could become a uh, viable fuel source in the very near future, probably before fusion, even though fusion has been making some tremendous progress in, in becoming more um, possible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've heard of people using um, seawater for running ships before, but uh, that information is not um, not... I think well accepted just yet for various reasons. Yeah, they're still figuring it out. It's not for your for your average uh, pedestrian. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Okay, in terms of other news here, um, there there was some news, and I think this could affect everyone. Uh, it's a it's a new uh, study that shows that uh, how you could increase your brain power significantly with just about six or seven minutes a day of, of um, focused attention on it. Okay, sounds okay. like a plan. Okay, and I think the biggest, the biggest way to, uh, the biggest gain for this is that you look at your daily schedule, and if you do some moderate to intense physical activity for six to seven minutes a day, that will boost your grain power. So, uh, six to seven minutes a day of, of vigorous activity. Like walking? And replacing sedentary behavior. <laughs> Jumping jacks. Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. <laughs> that the optimal level for uh, uh, doing uh, memory and mental tasks like planning and organization and stuff like that, um, six or seven minutes a day will just increase your abilities considerably in being able to do that. It'll, it'll just make you much more awake. Better than, uh, I would say, coffee. <laughs> okay. <laughs> At least for a certain period of time. Maybe the combination of coffee with exercise mm -hmm. would be even better. Right. Probably have to do slightly more exercise, though. Right. All right. And this is a, a study that uh, drew on participants uh, from a, a 1970 British cohort study. Uh, comprising people born across England, Scotland, and Wales in 1970, where health was tracked throughout childhood and adulthood. So have a you actually tried any of this? People. Have you tried any of these techniques for yourself? I like going out. I go for a walk. Uh, as, as soon as I've, I feel like I'm dragging a little bit, I'll just go out for a walk. That's better than taking a nap. Sometimes it is. I, I would not rule out naps. I think uh, Bucky Fuller was into naps. Uh, a lot of people are that micro naps, you know, for five, ten minutes. I like those cat Sometimes naps, power naps. Sometimes even Yeah, they really can make a difference. They do. And especially if you accompany it with a little post-hypnotic suggestion where <laughs> you tell yourself, I want to feel completely rested and refreshed in ten minutes when I wake up from a deep sleep. Okay, Go. <laughs> That works, huh? It does. It works really well. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Bobby? You got any exercise? Um, yeah. It, it reminded me when you know, I was uh, wrestling in high school. And, wrestling uh, in high school? Have, yeah. Yeah. You, you would do these three, three two-minute um, wrestling matches, you know. Um, and uh, yes, uh, there's no question, you know, you're, I was completely tired after six minutes i mean just like i couldn't even lift my arm i was so tired 
but my brain was working at at incredible speeds. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. That I, I, um, I, find... I, 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 I think if you just get infrared, either or infrared, infrared light. That's or... right. You're the lighting person. You like to bring lights into the equation. Yeah. Too. And and really, like less than ten minutes, oh, yeah. like six minutes is probably optimal. Uh, you, I notice something different after six minutes, you know, and then it's d- diminishing marginal returns after six minutes. Yeah, yeah they're so. they're saying six seven minutes is is ideal for this. So just yeah. keep that in mind, folks. If you're feeling it like you're dragging or whatever, either take a short nap or try exercising for six or seven minutes. Do your favorite exercise, be it walking, uh, push ups, sit ups, or my favorite. Yeah. Uh, the Tibetan riots, right, Mrs. Future? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's her favorite. Yeah, well, that spinning, keeps you back strong. <laughs> spinning, right? You're going to spin one? Spinning, yes. You that love keeps spinning. Popu- that, that keeps your circulation good. It sends the blood out to your fingertips. Yes. You know, yeah. A little centrifugal force involved yeah. there. And, yeah. Uh, you can get into a, so a motion where you can just spin for hours. I mean, you can spin without limit. Yeah. Sufi girl. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's very yeah. Sufi. <laughs> All right, so that's a, that's a little uh, tip for better health here. We also just got this just in from um, from the head of the Folk Song Army. Um, Are you going to play that now? All right, yeah, I'm ready. Um, a little political commentary on the Ukraine crisis from uh, Jim Rintoul. Uh, With some there. karaoke music that karaoke. we hope is got uh, new, new words for an old YouTube song friendly. that you're familiar. Yeah, it's YouTube friendly, so I assume it's friendly on here. And you can go to Al Lindell on YouTube and play the visuals, which is a big part of this. But yes, I, I did the visuals. Like the but, sentiment, but the sentiment uh, of the story. Uh, it's it's um, you know, we 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 kind of believe in the folk song army, and it's, it's creating more towards a real world peace. Which we'd like to see in this planet, and this is sort of a, a commentary on where things are at with the Ukraine situation, and and hopefully it'll inspire more people to action through meaningful songs. So, shall we play it? Sure, let's play it right. Let's see if you recognize the sound. Yeah, keep going. If you've got money to pour into a proxy war, Ukraine. If your corporations need to launder some funds, Ukraine. It's a lie, it's a crime, it's a shame, Ukraine. So that would be great, I think, to help glue this thing and have the UN help glue it. And, you Victoria Newland. If F- you make F- weapons you. of war and want your profits to soar, Ukraine. Or if it's people you need to fight and die for your greed, Ukraine. It's a lie, it's a crime, it's insane, Ukraine. We have 
quite a There's still one more um, one more element here. All right. Get ready. You could tell people what we're seeing. Planes and dollars. The Russians thinking that they're liberating the German people from the Nazis. Neo-Nazis, fascists, how much influence are they having on Ukraine? Hackers, drones, Putin, Hitler, madmen, Stalin. Do you see anything coming? Just the past, says the Ukrainians. Well, we still have a chance to change the circumstances in Ukraine. Peace. Call off warmonger and fools Live by the golden rule In Ukraine It's a lie It's a crime It's a shame Ukraine Yep It's a lie It's a lie It's a crime It's insane Ukraine Okay, you can pull it down now. That's good. All right, well, there you go. All right, lyrics you, by Jim, Jim Rintoul. We're very proud of that uh, folk song army. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's, you know what? Why hasn't there been any you know real peace conversation there? Because the people running things don't want it. They don't want it. They it's, don't want it. They they're busy flushing money down a toilet so that they can. Uh, it's not a toilet. It's the economy, stupid. <laughs> it's the, as they no, but there's, it's a yeah. rigged game. Yeah. Yeah. It's a rigged game. Problems could be solved right. so much in so much better ways. And it they could. know it. They know it, but they're yeah. playing They're playing both ends against the middle. It's a game that was inherited, perhaps. Yeah, it's a game that uh, people who profit from uh, creating hell on earth play. So that's that's what's going on. They do it over and over again. They did it in Bosnia. It's just the behavior of humanity that goes back for many, many generations. It is chosen by yeah. a few who believe it to be good for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I uh, hope did, the gig you, is up. Did you? I'm listening. Did you, did you watch um, uh, Roger Waters address the UN? No. Uh, recently? Oh, I would love to I, see I, that. I saw his new concert. I, 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 I thought that was pretty amazing. Anyway, what did no, he no, say? No, no. The, just, the just look up, uh, just just uh, Google Roger Waters UN. Yeah. And he, he addressed the UN um, Security Council, and uh, it's quite moving. Uh, you know, whether you agree with him or not, I think it's very important to see uh, an alternate point of view. And... Uh, he describes, uh, yeah, how how we're moving toward uh, pushing Putin to the edge, and uh, you know it's very close that both Putin and Biden have a suitcase with a red button in it, and uh, you know uh, we're getting closer to that edge. Mm -hmm. and, and, yeah. and and really, you know, the the war is all these countries are donating all their obsolete weapons weapons <laughs> and uh so that they can buy the latest new weapons from the united states so 
Yeah, uh, production uh, is money, right? Production is how well yeah. a company is performing, how many units they're creating next, uh, you know, is important mm -hmm. in the bottom line. And it's just the way things work, uh, for better or for worse. Uh, these industries have been around for a while because humanity has uh, been fighting wars for a while. Um, and they're just getting their share. It's like a couple of years ago, it was Big Pharma getting the big bucks from the people. Now it's um, well, just uh, in terms back to of the military industrial complex. I, I went to Google and mm -hmm. I can't actually, on the first page of Google, I can't actually find the link to yeah. the speech that he made to the UN, but I can find all kinds of links about. Uh, people denouncing him what, Roger <laughs> for Waters? making that speech. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Controversy yeah. was well, it, Bobby? Former Pink Floyd stars UN speech criticized by Ukraine. BBC Rolling yeah. Stone. Well, they're all going to criticize him, probably. Right? No, but I mean, you can't even yeah. find the original He's video. You can only find the criticisms. Yeah, yeah. Take it down. So. Well, what, yeah. What 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 about what it, what struck you about it, Bobby? What that he said? What was uh, what was a highlight? Well, uh, it? it made it definitely made you. Th think that, um, yes, you know, obviously, you know, the Russians are doing bad things and Ukrainians are doing bad things to the Russians. And, but uh, sometimes we, you know, we, we have, to, it's like a, it's like a big football game and you, you have to pick sides, right? And so we're on the side of Ukraine right now. Right. But, but right. there's more to it. And, and uh, yes, there is. There's and, the other side, and, <laughs> for yeah. starters. So, so, it, so, so it's important just to just to listen to what he has to say, and then reassess everything, and then, you know, then it kind of calms you down. Calm it calmed me down where I wasn't so into the war, you know. Yeah, <laughs> or yeah. getting it over with, you know. Well, yeah. well, it if in order for it to be um, good profits on it, it has to be a long-lasting, eternal war, a constant demand, but hopefully not so much uh, in the public eye that um, we complain about it, right? That it, it gets the money that needs to keep going, and, uh, we le and, and as long as it doesn't threaten us with nuclear holocaust or anything, just let it go for a while, uh, is, is the impression that I got. They want a steady, a steady burn, shall we say, uh, with the war. Um, and that that uh, Putin is to some extent complicit with this because he uh, has had to answer to dozens of uh, oligarchs that run the economy in Russia, a lot of that. And uh, so his relationship with them is, uh, I don't think, I don't think is completely broken. I don't think he, he's uh, a, a dictator alone in the woods. I think he's playing with a team of people. Uh, unlike what the Western media says, suggests that he's more of a just a loner madman, you know, which I I find hard to believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, yeah. Anyway, that the Jeb's Jim song on Ukraine and and uh, to keep keep your eyes open, you know, and maybe there's a way in which which um, we can. We can move our culture beyond war by finally confronting the need for war. Mm -hmm. right? I mean, yeah. At this point, they managed to get it so we can give um, billions and billions for uh, something that doesn't even directly affect us. You know, proxy war. It's a proxy war. Well, right. and the idea that we are the ones giving the billions of war is really fallacious, too, because nobody asked us. And uh, if we did have a chance to say no, no one would listen. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, so that that is that. Hey, we're in our last five Roger minutes Waters, thank you. of thank our you show. This. I did. I yeah. found the link finally too. Okay, but good. I good. didn't. I didn't yeah. think you wanted to go out on it. But no, no, I'm go up on a higher note here. Hearing it myself. Yeah, thanks, folks, for being part of our shakedown cruise here. Yeah, the show I hope you're yeah. having as much fun as we are. We're doing our best here. Yeah, to make and, it fun for all. And uh, all right. happy Valentine's Day, and even uh, with peace of the sun has broken off. I guess that's a good thing in the long run. Yeah, should um, we go out on the heartbeat? Uh, well, there's there was some excitement. There is okay. some excitement coming in about about how there's twelve more. Um, hey, welcome, Gary. Hi, Gary. Yeah, Gary's coming to the, the next, next show. show host oh. coming in. Yeah, we talk uh, about books. <laughs> We uh, are framed for having the final story, uh, 12 more moons orbiting Jupiter. Can you believe it? 12 more. They just discovered. How, 12. Many, how many total? Yeah, Jupiter has to... more moons than Saturn, as it turns out. We just found out. So the two of them mm. traded that brings, places. Uh, that brings the total number of Jovian moons to 92. 92. Ooh. I mean, when I was a kid, I was like, there were only 12 moons to Jupiter. Now over the That's last right. two yeah. years, we have 12 more. Can you believe it? Wow. Everything's accelerating. Yeah. Faster and faster. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, so uh, anyway, that's kind of exciting. And just to re review that, uh, the outer planets uh, in our solar system, Mercury and Venus are moonless. Earth has one. Mars has two. Uranus has 27. And Neptune has 14. So. And what about Saturn? <laughs> Saturn, I think, is uh, is is up for grabs right now too. They're de constantly redefining how many Saturn has. It's uh, uh, hard to say at this point, but it's usually a little less than Jupiter. Yeah, it's nothing <laughs> well, in this for piece, sure so. now. Jupiter just yeah. charged ahead with twelve new moons. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's just uh, get that fact. So how many moons does Saturn have? Get the latest for you. We're series. asking Great God. Uh, oh. Orbits. 83. 83. Saturn has 83. Jupiter has 92. See, it's a race. It's a new satellite race. <laughs> All right. We're going to just listen to a few sounds while you come up with your final thoughts for our show here. This Next week, we're going to put on uh, a little bit of Walter and Lau Russell from the University of Science and Philosophy, which combines the uh, art, science, and spirituality into a sort of one form of understanding that uh, hopefully will be make sense to you. Or if not, uh, will inspire you to transform into something that um, you'll enjoy. And uh, we also have a further update on the chat GPT controversy. There's two new competitors coming in uh, with chat GPT, one from Google and one from um, Microsoft, our very wonderful friends at Microsoft, are going to upgrade us to the next level of uh, AI intelligence. Everybody, have a great future. It's the future now with Al and Son and Bobby, and we've really enjoyed hanging out with you. Yeah, thanks, and Bobby, for being part of it today. See y'all next yeah, Tuesday. It was definitely great to be together with you again. Okay, next time, we'll be in our own studio with this. And uh, play with uh, live pres presentations from Future Peak. That's right. Going live in the future.